Living Heritage Goes to Market. This episode is part of a series showcasing the people and stories of the St. John's Farmer's Market, from farmers to craft and food vendors, and more. Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about the people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Natalie Dignam. Today I'm in the studio with Kevin Massey, owner of the Old Dublin Bakery. Kevin moved to St. John's in 2004 and has been delighting our province with incredible pastry ever since. A graduate of the world's first BA program in the culinary arts in Dublin, his professional pedigree still barely keeps up with his unrelenting talent to turn butter, sugar, and flour into a life-changing experience. Three kids and a few cats later, he took on the challenge of starting his own business. The Old Dublin Bakery might be traditional in name, but there is nothing old school about his flavors. The bakery has since become a favorite at the St. John's Farmer's Market. Uh, welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So, uh, you have transitioned now from that small space at the Lions Club to the new space at the St. John's Farmer's Market, and uh, what do you what do you think? You're probably pretty busy with that. Uh, I mean, I am. I mean, uh, you know, there's the biggest change, obviously, twice a week, and it's longer hours, too. But at the moment, I'm still only on once a week. I just can't manage both days, just with my uh, schedule with, with the kids and everything. But, uh, I mean, the sales, you know, people have seen how busy it is. The sales have increased. But I got more overhead, so it, you know I was lucky enough to be able to sell out in the old place and mm-hmm. be pretty much maxed out. So there's not a huge transition for me in terms of uh, like it's not like I'm printing money or anything. You know what I mean? It's like now I'm in a new space. I have I have a couple of people help me at the market, so I have to pay them. I got bigger overhead because it's more expensive to be there. And then and I had to set up the whole the whole I had to get a whole new setup, and that was you know fifteen hundred bucks by the time I set that whole place up. So. You know what I mean? It's not people look at it and think, "Well, print money." I mean, you know, we do go, we do well, but it, you know, it's just like for me, from the old place, it's not a huge transition. I do prefer the new place because it's a nicer setup. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's. Uh, Are you making the same amount of product, or I have mean, you? I'm at the stage I just can't make enough. You know, yeah. Like uh, I don't, I don't know if people get it. Like I do most of my production volume-wise on Saturday morning, like the day of the market. You know, that's when I do most of my stuff. So when people say to me, you, you should make more, and how come you don't make more? And just, I, I it gets frustrating to tell you. Like, <laughs> like I go in, I usually go in about midnight or 12.30 or one or something on a Saturday, and I got a solid six or seven hours. And, you know, I'm, I churn out in them six or seven hours. I mean, you know, most of my week's work. Yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, and the reason I do it that way is because to me, there's no other way to have it, you know. There's croissants and cinnamon buns and, and scones, all that kind of stuff that I do. It's got to be eaten the day of. That's how I see it, you know. Yeah. So all of that stuff that you're making is made fresh that, that day. day. It's still hot. If you get there early enough, it's still hot lots of times, you know. So yeah. Especially in the wintertime, it doesn't, uh, you know, you, you see that you can see the steam in that. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's the majority of my volume is on the Saturday morning, you know. So... I mean, it's a hard slog, and there's times I'm fighting fatigue, but I guess uh, and that's part of it. Like, but I am at the point where I just I'm pretty much maxed out. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, I can't, uh, I can't stay ahead of the oven at the moment, you know. Yeah. So how did you end up in uh, St. John's? You've been here I for came quite on a, a whim. while. Yeah, I was 14 years. I came here on a whim, pretty much, how I, how I lived my life, really. It's just kind of like uh, I finished university. I, I lived in the States for a while, like back in 2001 or something, middle of nowhere in Michigan. I mean, I was so far north, I might as well have been in Canada, you know. But, uh, I mean, it was nice and it was quiet and all, but it was a very different feel. Even being that far remote in the States, a very different feel in America, you know. And uh, um, I didn't love it, so I went back and finished my degree. And, I mean, I was sick of Dublin. I wanted to get out. I wanted to travel. But I'm the kind of person, I don't want to go where everyone else goes. Like, all of my friends were going to Australia. and Because like, when you're in Ireland, you can go to Australia on a student visa and all that kind of stuff. And... That's all. all of my friends were doing this, and I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to go somewhere. I want to. I want to be submerged. But I did happen to know a couple of people over here, and um, I uh, came for a holiday first of all, and it, you know, it, it, it sucked me in because it was June, and I remember it was like two weeks of sunshine. I mean, when do you ever see that in June? Yeah, that's you know? very deceptive. It really, really got me on the hook, and I thought this is a nice place, and pretty quaint, and it was quiet, and. I mean, Dublin to me was a bit hustle and bustle anyway. I didn't love it, you know. And coming from the Eurozone initially, I mean, everything seemed cheap to me too, you know. Like, because coming from the Euro, it's so cheap, you know. So then I came back for another holiday, the fall, like November, October, or maybe, no, sorry, it was September. And it rained solid for two weeks. Solid for two weeks. And anyway, I was over here and, you know, the restaurant scene was pretty quiet back then. But somebody had offered me a job, said if I was coming back did hire me so I said ah sure I'll give it a try I'll give it a couple of years so basically I went home worked to see, see save as much as I could for a couple of weeks sold my motorbike bought a plane ticket and came back with it one way I had no no plans and you know lo and behold when I came back the job wasn't there but that's a, that's a different story but yeah that was almost 14 years ago wow and yeah. you're I was still lucky. here I was still lucky. raining I was lucky yeah I was lucky enough that I, I because I did that degree I was able to come here as a foreign national because I was more qualified than anybody else around here because, I mean, I mean, we're only catching up now with that culinary arts degree. I mean, I, we were one of the first in the whole world to do it, you know? So we were, I was lucky that way that I did that because I would have had, had a hard time getting into Canada otherwise, you know? Yeah, could you talk a little bit about that culinary degree and like what, what that is, what your background professionally is? Well, well I, I went to university straight after school, you know, you know, just like everybody else. I went to cooking school for two years full-time and it was a, a trade certificate basically, but it was it was a full-time gig, but it was really strict, really old school, like you had to be there half an hour before class started. The class, the door would be locked 15 minutes before the class started. If you didn't come in clean shaven, you'd be sent out to shave. Like it was, it was really, really postured, you know? This and was in Dublin? This was in Dublin, yeah. And it, it, it's called uh, Calabro Street. It's like right off of Collins Street, right in the centre of the city. So it's a cool environment, but it's um, Dublin Institute of Technology and it's the all centre city universities and um, each one is a different faculty. And our, mine was the Faculty of Tourism and Food. So that's all the whole building was. It was 5,000 students for something like that. And that's all we did it was tourism and food. So hotel management and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, so I was there for two years and that's when I went to the States. I spent, spent about six months or something in the States and uh, they, that was just a student visa type stuff. And uh, I thought about doing a degree and I hemmed and hard and it was an advanced entry. I, I applied for the degree the first time but I didn't get enough points in me when I did German in school. I failed German, I think. But anyway, uh, so I went back, I got an advanced entry and I decided to do a degree but then when you went to the degree, you majored. So I had to pick either you know hot kitchen cold kitchen or pastry and that's why i picked pastry i knew for a long time i wanted to do pastry so i picked pastry and i did three we majored nine uh, three more years and you know i didn't do anything else but pastry and you know when i said pastry we had nine hour classes of pastry you know it was really really rigid and really old school but i mean 
I'll never, I'll never, you know, that's like exactly what, what I draw from is that's training. It, it's, it doesn't seem to be the same here. We were pretty old school, but I, you know, I'm thankful for it now because, you know, it gives you discipline, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, in compared to the rest of Europe, I mean, Ireland is still laid back because when you go to France or something, these kids are going there 14 years of age, they're going to the picture school, you know what I mean? It's really serious. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was like five years all together. So by the time I was 22 years of age, I had a diploma and a degree and I had like, you know, I was working at the same time. We had to work. We were told, expected, you got to work at the same time, even though we were doing 35 hours of school a week. Yeah. So I was working 32 hours on top of that. I did that for five years, you know, and working in hotels, restaurants, bakeries, whatever I could get my hands on because I didn't need, need the money. Living was cheap. So I, I just tried to advance my skills, you know. So so that's what, uh, and that's what I would recommend anybody who's cooking for a living. Just, uh, you know, money will come later, you know. It's kind of... You kind of get, uh, get out and get learn what you can first, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't go for the money, really. So you've recently uh, transitioned over to full-time uh, business owner and working with the Old Dublin Bakery full-time. Mm. Uh, so what what did you do before you transitioned? I worked in pretty much every bakery in town. And I mean, I, for, for, for many years, I wasn't really happy in my career. I, I mean, I, I mean, I may have thought I was here and there, but I just couldn't find couldn't find joy in it, you know? And uh, it got to the point where uh, I, I kind of always figured I would do something like it. I always thought maybe I'll try markets or something, you know, maybe I'll do some catering stuff. And, and I, I, I was, I, was uh, t- I had a month off for, um, and I was taking a parental leave, basically what it was, for the, the birth of my last child. And I said, with well, this time off, maybe I'll try markets. And I did one market and I sold out the first time, like a couple of hours, whatever it was. And it was like a couple of hundred bucks, but it, back then, you know, I was like, wow. So I don't know here, maybe a month or something, you know. And so I, so I got another place in the market. And this was just before Christmas. So I just kind of like didn't really plan this, you know. I just kind of, kind of just went with it, and I just went with it, and went with it. And uh, you know, I always thought markets was going to be um, something just to advertise. But I mean, now I can't imagine ever giving them up, you know. Like it's uh, now it's like it's a real, it's a real window into sales point of view. Like where I don't have to be there forty hours, fifty hours a week. It's just pinpoint into five six hours a week you know it's mm-hmm. pretty neat but uh you know i've been around town doing a few different markets and it was only when i got the farmers market is when it really started to ramp up you know so what other uh markets can people find you at uh well nowadays mostly the farmers market but i do a few other events like uh, i'm doing night markets currently i mm-hmm. mean i know by the time this goes on night market will be done but i'll be at christmas the glacier some of these christmas events i mean you know I'm, I'm pretty current with my social media feed, so it's pretty easy to get a hold of me, you know, but farmer's market is, is, is pretty regular, you know, every Saturday. Yeah. Nine o'clock, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I never really planned for markets to be my thing, but now, now I can't imagine giving them up, you know. Uh, so you started cooking, well, when you started doing this, uh, the markets, you started in your own kitchen at home and then you've kind of transitioned to a commercial kitchen. So yeah. could you talk a little bit about that and where you're at now? Well, I started because, like I said, I had nowhere else to go, starting from the house and I was like a couple of hundred dollars worth of ingredients. And uh, yeah, I did that for about, I just started baking at home until it just got to the point when it was just, it was just too much. Like I live in an old salt box house, me and the kids, it's just kind of like, it takes off your whole house, you know, and a house like that is never designed for that kind of stuff. It's a, you know, it's old, old, right? And anyway, uh, I did it because I had to, and I kind of like, I had thought about options of storefronts and all this kind of stuff, but you know, when you go into the storefronts, like the overhead is, I would have to be there 100 hours a week to try and make it worth a while, because I'd have to be baking constantly to try and make that money. 
you know that you know you're paying four or five thousand dollars just to be there you know anyway uh, you know I kind of kept my ear to the ground and I seen I seen there was this big influx where the market vendors were going into rented kitchens every month you know and just rent paying them rent so I started looking around I had a look at a few of these places and I done some trial runs at some places and uh, then I caught wind of where I am now it's Cochran Center there at the back of the old church and it's basically the old church kitchen was renovated to like a, a brand new commercial kitchen. They did that last fall, and a friend of mine was already doing some butchery from there, and he uh, he suggested I come have a look. And as soon as I walked in, I had a look, quick look around, and I said, exactly what I need. Every bit of equipment that, that I ever wanted was there, and you know, like every like the ovens were good, proof and cabinets. Like I've seen I've seen equipment there that bakeries don't have, you know. Really. Yeah. So I mean, I got it. I'm spoiled rotten there now. Like I. I'll stay there as long as I can, you know. I just pay whatever I want. I pay rent and uh, like a tenant, and I have storage space. And I, it's just basically like going to work every day. I just, you know, I have to get my supplies and that. But once I have everything there, to show up and bake and go home, you know. Mm-hmm. And right downtown too, and it's like it's it's really nice, you know. It's nice to live at a house too. It drives you crazy sitting at home all day long on your own, you know. Yeah. Working away. And it's easy to procrastinate when you're at home, you know. So have you gotten a chance to peek at the new uh, commercial kitchen they have down at the farmers market? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. I've been in it. Um, it's it's comparable to what I've got. It's a little bit bigger. Um, but uh, the, the whole reason I went to Cochrane is basically the farmers market was moving, and I knew, you know, we all knew this. It was going for months. We all knew. Um, I was maxed out of what I was at the Lions Club, and I said to myself, I got to get ahead of this. I got this, this, you know, I got to get. Uh, I got to. I got to start doing more than just baking from home. So yeah. that's what I had to start looking. And uh, I wanted to do the farmer's market and, you know, I, I, I plagued the market managers and people at the board with questions. When can we get in? When is this? And I plagued them with questions and I'm sure they were, they were sick of listening to me. But I needed to know because it's the whole future of my business depended on it. So anyway, I plagued them with questions and then I thought to myself, you know, the whole idea of that market kitchen, the amount of vendors that, you know, they have, it's not officially licensed yet or something. I'm not 100% on that. I don't know what's going on there at the moment, but I don't use it so it's not to me. But the idea of 40 or 50 or whatever many food vendors went in that place and, and worked on it, to me it just felt, it, it just seemed like it was going to be a nightmare, you know, congested and everything. And I'm sure it might work for everybody, but I mean, baking takes up a lot of space, you know, it takes a lot of counter space, it takes up a lot of trays and ovens, and I just didn't think it was going to work for me. So I was lucky that I found something else, you know. Mm-hmm. That means that it also meant, because I did, a, it was, I think it was the very end of March when I moved over, it means that I'm settled now. I'm over there months now, and I know exactly what's coming and going. But it's all by the time the new market came over, it wasn't a whole brand new affair, you know. At least had something. I was used to what I was baking in, you know. Yeah, and you talked about having this crate. I think people have heard, you know, bakers are up so early in the mm-hmm. morning prepping and baking. So what is your schedule like now that you have this kind of Well, I mean, space? It's still, you know, I mean, I'm hands on with the kids. I mean, they're in camp at the moment, summertime, but when they go back to school, it'll be the same stuff. I bring them to school every day, and... You know, not, you know, so for, I mean, I'm in work at nine o'clock and I pick them up from school every day. So I finish like 2.30 or so. So at the moment, Monday to Friday, I'm generally working nine to 2.30 unless on a crazy week I have to work in the evenings, but I haven't done it yet. I haven't, I haven't worked in the evening. The latest I've ever been down there at six o'clock, you know? Yeah. So, so far, but then on the, the weekend is when it's really pushed. Like 
Saturday morning I'm going in at midnight usually 12, 30, 1 o'clock at the latest you know and uh, the Sundays already feel like I'm behind at 1 o'clock in the morning it's, it's a horrible feeling to be honest with you because it's pitch black and it feels like the whole city's asleep except for me you know and it's uh, so you well, go straight from that the middle of the night into straight into the market into the market day so if, if, I'm, if I ever appear grouchy at the market <laughs> you know, this way, people people uh, like don't realize this you know when i explain this this you know i go to work at midnight and i see them and they're like it takes you've been up seconds. for like 10 hours <laughs> yeah and more and so then if i ever have to go to a market that's out of town for example it's always hard because i gotta drive you know yeah. and you're, you're you're battling fatigue and what the hardest part is when you do stuff like christmas the glacier because markets are hard but then you get that's five days in a row like mm-hmm. like i did christmas the glacier for last year for the first time and like on the Friday, which is middle of the week, you still have the whole weekend left. On the Friday, I, I thought I was going to have to throw in the towel. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. But, you know, I kind of dug in and was able to do it, you know. But, uh, yeah, when you do multiple days in a row, that's when it starts to get difficult because, you know, you're not sleeping. You're getting, like, like Friday nights, I try to go to bed for 9 o'clock. I go up at midnight. And most times I can't sleep at nine because, you know, your body doesn't do that, you know. Yeah. So if I get a couple hours on a Friday night, that's about it, right? Yeah. So, do you have a favorite thing that you like to bake? Uh, people always find this funny. I don't have a sweet tooth. I really don't eat this. You're one of those people stuff. that you bake it all. I bake because and you I don't enjoy eat baking. I find baking very therapeutic. I mean, you know, if I could get paid to bake bread all day long, I'd probably do that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's harder to make a living making bread. You know, you can make, what, 10, 20 loaves every couple of hours. And, I mean, it's harder where, where pastries seem to be that, you know, you can make a living doing that kind of stuff. But I just find, especially, um, you know, you know, to describe my work week, it's basically generally me on my own, listen to a podcast or a radio or music, whatever, and uh, just baking away, just like, don't, I don't, it's very isolated, and that's mm-hmm. why I love it, you know? So that's, that's the kind of, like, especially on the Saturday morning, there's nobody around, and it's just, it's a beautiful feeling, you know? That's just, it's uh, why I do it, you know? I find, uh, when you rely on yourself like that, you know exactly what's coming and going. You know exactly what has to be done, and you know that's it. You know. Uh, so I did. We did another interview with another vendor a few weeks ago, and I did make him tell me his favorite podcast because oh, he also yes. listens to podcasts. So what's everyone should listen to Living Heritage, obviously. Well, but I, I what is subscribe. your? Well, I mean, I like. Uh, I do like a bit of Mark Maron. He's pretty good, and I like. Uh, I like uh, stuff you should know because I'm I'm one of the people who like to learn stuff. So stuff I do listen know. to that one a lot. That's pretty good. <laughs> I only discovered that one quite recently. Uh, you have the other version of stuff they don't want you to know, but I don't love the broadcasters' voices. I kind of find them dreary, so I tend to just dabble in that one a bit. You know, listen to a bit Dak Shep, but I listen to a few of them. I listen to a few podcasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I'm a big. Uh, I used to listen to VOSM all the time. And uh, I find it's a bit uh, heavy sometimes, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so do you, what is your most popular pastry, do you think, right now? Cinnamon buns. Everybody knows that's what I'm renowned for. I'll never yeah. get away from the cinnamon buns. Just as I say this, there's probably people listening to this going, geez, I wish you'd make more cinnamon buns. You know, it's just like... <laughs> I, 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 I started doing, when I started at the CLB Armory, that's the first magazine. So I used to make two dozen cinnamon buns a day, and it was days I'd go home with them. Like, I didn't sell them all. Now I'm doing like 300 a market, and I still can't. Yeah, people probably know now, so they're coming oh for this. The I feel like a one-trick pony, especially when I get to stuff like Chris's the Glacier, because, because like you know, that's a lot of new customers, a lot of people that haven't seen me, but they've heard of the cinnamon buns. Like that, that seems to 
precede me like that seems to people know about them before they ever know anything else you know mm-hmm. and to the point look I put it on my arm right? I, I got all my big goods <laughs> and my tattoos and uh, one of them had to be cinnamon buns of course you know and hopefully uh, hopefully I'll bake for ever more I suppose because otherwise I'll be to be laser removal or something I don't know but uh, no cinnamon buns definitely the most popular thing I do and it actually works out well for me because there's minimal prep but there's nothing I have to do the day before there's no the only thing I make the icing the day before whatever but like croissants for example takes three days to do you know I mean cinnamon yeah. buns is like I can make as many as I physically can on Saturday morning and then I go to the market you know that's it what's like what's the secret to like a really good cinnamon bun mm. if you can give away a secret <laughs> I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff. Uh, people do tell me I have a touch when it comes to baking, but I don't know. I think one of the things I don't do is I don't. O- I try not to overhandle stuff. I mean, that tends to be a lot of proud people's problems, and uh, I um, I do things by touch. Like I, you know, you know, I don't measure the liquid quantities in a lot of recipes. I do it by eye. I don't know how to relate that to anybody else. If I ever had to teach somebody how to make cinnamon buns, I don't know how I'd exactly show them. But it's just like, I, I, everything's handmade. I mean, I put it on the mix, uh, it makes the dough, but it's very, very gentle. And it's like, everything I do is like just, it's all done by touch like that, you know. Follow recipes when it comes to cookies and that. But even that, I mean, sometimes it's more humid. You got to correct the flour quantities and different stuff. Cinnamon buns, I use, uh, everything I do is real ingredients, butter and sugar and buttermilk. And there's no replacements. I don't do anything gluten-free, anything sugar-free. It's just not my thing, you know? It doesn't taste the same. Well, I mean, people ask me about that all the time, especially vegan. Vegan is almost fashionable these days, but it's just... Uh, the, re- the whole reason I wanted to do things the way I'm doing them is because I got tired of working in places and seeing things that was just so artificial, like over-sweetened, colored, and uh, flavored, and all this kind of stuff. I, don't, I dropped it all, you know? I mean, the, the the only thing I really use is sometimes I make M&M cookies for ki- for youngsters or whatever. Other than that, it's just everything else is, you know, raw ingredients, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, what's the secret to the stuff? I don't know, butter maybe. But butter, butter, yeah. Every, butter in everything, you know. <laughs> but the butter here is not the same. Like, the butter at home is like, it's yellow. When I say yellow, it's... You can almost smell the grass from it. It's really, really, it's really fatty, you know? Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, all our animals are grass-fed like that, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, it's grass-fed butter is the way to go, you know? Here, you probably pay extra for that. But that's just the normal home. Yeah, I think we're so. Blessed, uh, we're blessed in Ireland. We've got very good dairy, you know? Yeah. It's cheaper, too, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do you like to, like, experiment with new recipes? And are you thinking of any new things that you're coming out for the fall? Constantly. I mean, my brain, I never get to shut it off, you know? I mean, I got a food festival now in September, uh, Roots, Rants, and Wars, and I mean, I'm adding to that menu constantly. I'm, you know, one of my good friends forages for a living, and you know, I talk to him all the time to find out what's available. I mean, I constantly try to tweak my menu, but the, the hard part for me is, you know, everything that's new that I make, it's something ha- there's only so much I can do, you know, something gets taken away from, so, you know, like some of the old stuff has to go to make new, new stuff. it's just, it's, it's a juggling act every week, you know, mm-hmm. but I am constantly working, like, I mean, I'm already thinking now, you know, it's August now, mid-August, soon it'll be September, I'll have a food festival, then October, I've got Christmas at the Glacier, I mean, i got to have fruitcakes made and aged by Christmas at the Glacier, so, I, I mean, I'll be making them September, 100%, so I'm always trying to look ahead, uh, seasonal, and, and I try not to stray too much into seasonal, because people want, tend to want my, a lot of my product, as in, you know, I can't just make 12 of something and expect, oh, there's the first 12 gone, people would be up in arms, like people, some people get mad at me if I sell out of something too quick, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, I get it all the time, like, that's, that's, the, that's the phrase, when I'm in the center of the cinnamon bonds, like, how we don't make more? I'm just like, give me a break, man, no, I kind of say, like, uh, 
Oh, I just it's not like I'm lazy it's not like I'm leaning <laughs> on a broom somewhere I make as make physically as much as I can like well I'm out of a vehicle like like you know I was looking for a van there a while ago because um, my car is too small and you know at the moment I got my friends who come around and they pick up the stuff before the markets and they load up two vehicles you know it's like you know I don't know I think uh, I think I'm pretty much maxed out when it comes to stuff like that you know but uh, I do try to try to provide some selection. I try to do a new menu every week. That's the that's the thing with with the staples. But as stuff gets popular, staples gets bigger and bigger. Everybody wants this, this, and this. You mm-hmm. know? And people come to expect certain. But don't things. get me wrong. If I sound negative, I, I I love doing what I'm doing. I mean, I got it not like I said. I I have the ability to be able to provide for my three kids and get them to school and pick them up from school every day. Like I couldn't do that. There's no job I could I could. There's no job I could work for somebody else and not just uh, make a living but actually have the hours you know the kids are sick I can pick them up you know what I mean mm-hmm. you know snow day you know I can juggle my schedule around that you know and I'm lucky lucky that way you know I got I got a pretty good line of comes to stuff like that you know? yeah so it's berry season are you thinking anything are you cooking up anything to do with well I've been berries? using raspberries the last couple of weeks and before that I was using stuff like hashcat berries and I like I said off my, my friend Dawson everyone knows Dawson but uh, I was kind of like uh, what have you got so now it's going to become the blueberries blueberries are easy you know I'll try to get some blueberries myself I my plan but when I go to Roots now I mean he's getting me raspberries hopefully some cherries he's getting me some golden plums like he gets me not just berries he gets mm-hmm. me all kinds of stuff and you know, very easy for me. I do stuff like scones, but then I do. Um, I'll do some other stuff, like you know, I do some cakes and all that kind of stuff. Like I, you know, last week happened to be my birthday. I know this won't be. This is August, but anyway, so I I got some local forage berries and I made my favorite cake with them and I just cut it up and gave it up to everyone and just said, you know, I haven't had this cake in years. It's called a Victoria sandwich. I haven't had it in years, so. Figure may as well use the best raspberries. So you around. made a cake to share with everyone. Made for your six birthday. cakes to share everyone for my birthday. Yeah, I don't have a sweet tooth, but I had the first piece because I haven't had it in years, and it is my favorite cake. So simple, it's just sponge cream and fruit. There's no, it's not over sweetened or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's. But I on Saturday morning at the market, I did. I had the very first piece, you know. Maybe that's the best to notice someone who loves to bake but then doesn't necessarily want to eat it all. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like the craft beer is enough of a problem with my waist as it is. I don't need to be eating pounds of sugar and chocolate at the same time. Yeah. You know? I'll eat a croissant on like a Saturday morning. I tend to eat something savory. I know I just I prefer savory stuff. So when I make cheese scones, I make the tomato turnovers or something that's savory, I tend to eat that, you know? Yeah. Or, or a butter croissant, you know. But, like, you know, Saturday morning, by the time the stuff's actually baked, you know, I, I'm, there's no more coffee. I'm, I'm out of my coffee at that stage because, you know, I, I, I get, you know, I usually make a coffee and bring with me. That's like 1 a.m. or 12 or whatever. Yeah. So, by the time the stuff starts coming out of the oven at 4 or 5, I mean, there's a coffee's well gone. So, I just eat it in a hurry and keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm sitting back and with my feet up, you know. So, we are uh, running out of time. So, sure. before we go, I do want to ask if people want to find you, where they can where can they find you online well they can get me on instagram the old Dublin bakery is my handle there i mean i i, I try to uh, try to do instagram as best i can without, you know it's just not my thing and then i got facebook as well as also the old Dublin bakery it's pretty straightforward i don't have a website and uh, i don't do a lot of custom orders to be honest i that used to be a thing but it's just i just don't have room for it so the best place is markets yeah i mean if anybody has any queries or questions they can get me either way but you know really the best place is to get me on markets and you know, as always, first come, first serve. Yeah, no, I just come like, to the market early to get your cinnamon Yeah, buns. people people can't show up at 8.30, quarter to nine these days. It's, it's not even funny anymore, but uh, they come wearing the go, you know. Yeah, all right, well, thank you so much. Yes, thanks for having me.
I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our Heritage Broadcast Assistant is Natalie Dignam, in partnership with the Conservation Corps Newfoundland and Labrador ECHO Program. We would love to know what you think of the show. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future program, leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page, email livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>